This is how I imagined it happened. Matthew, now an old man, a leader for a long time in his church, reflecting on his days as a young disciple of Jesus 50 years prior. Matthew's seen a lot. His church has seen a lot. And there are some really faithful people around him, people who've been there from the beginning, people who get it, people who hear the teachings of Jesus and follow even though they didn't have, to have the opportunity to walk with Jesus as Matthew did. But then there are some who hear, but don't always get it. They hear the scriptures read on Sunday. They hear Matthew tell firsthand these stories that he witnessed. They read the stories that Mark had compiled in his gospel, already widely distributed at this point in Matthew's life. But they don't quite get it. These teachings, they're more than stories. They're a way of life. And perhaps it was a particular instance that morning that really set Matthew off. I imagine prominent leaders in his church, maybe Brother Cleophas and Brother Simeon, arguing. Cleophas accusing Simeon of not being fair with him in business. Simeon accusing Cleophas of trying to cheat him. Words are exchanged in anger back and forth. It gets heated, volatile. The church becomes divided, rallying behind each leader that they favor. They try to broker peace. Some do. Ask them to just forgive each other. Let's move on for the sake of the church. Let's get over this. But they dig their heels in more. I'm done forgiving him. He's done this too many times, one proclaims. Well, they always do this. They'll just keep doing it. They'll never learn. And Matthew sees it all. It makes Matthew a little angry. These days in Matthew's life, it's not that hard for Matthew to get angry. If you've read his gospel, you've noticed every story he tells seems to end with people being thrown out into fires and where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's a little frustrated, but let's give him that. He's spent a lot of time. He's gone through a lot. And his church, as he sees it, is about to split. So he gets up one Sunday morning, as the old sage Matthew often did, and he shares a parable. A story that came to mind as all this was happening, a story he remembers Jesus once telling. And he puts the parable a bit in their own context. He doesn't name names, no Cleophas or Simeon appears. But he puts the pressing question of that Sunday into his friend Peter's mouth. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Perhaps that sounds like a lot, seven times. What's old man Matthew up to? Is he finally going to weigh in on this dispute, say, who's got it right, Cleophas or Simeon? Here's the side. Here's who needs to forgive. Let's move on. Not a chance. How many times should you forgive, the apostle Peter asked. Jesus says, not seven times. I tell you, 77 times. You can hear Matthew's com congregation begin to shift a little nervously in their seats as Matthew begins to tell that story. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared, could be compared, to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. As the story goes, the king comes to one slave, and in those days, people are enslaved as debtors. They owe money, and so they're enslaved until they work off their debt. But this slave could not pay. See, he owed 10000 talents. Now that may not seem like a lot to us. Maybe we think $10,000, 
But a talent is roughly, well, 10,000 talents is equivalent to 200,000 years wages. Equivalent to almost three and a half billion dollars in our day. If you were to add up what an hourly wage worker might work, how this slave racked up that kind of debt, I have no idea, but you know he had a good time doing it. Three and a half billion dollars he owes. There is no way he can pay this off. And so the king orders that the slave, along with his wife and children, be sold. And the proceeds of that sell, surely much less than the debt, be used to pay down however much that can. Oh, please, no, I beg you, he asks. Have patience with me and I will pay. It's ludicrous. He will never be able to pay. But the king, the, the, the story tells us, has pity on the slave. He not only rescinds the threat of selling, but he forgives the entire debt. What an amazing gift, a gift this man surely did not earn. And so what does the man who just received this extravagant grace do? He goes off, heads to one of his slave friends who we're told owes him 100 denarii. It's a sizable amount, about 100 days of pay, probably closer to the ten, eleven thousand dollars today. But it's nothing compared to what he had just owed. The man tells that slave to pay up. The slave begs the man using the exact phrase that he just used to the king, have patience with me and I will pay. But unlike the king, he has no pity, throws his fellow slave in prison until the debt is paid. His other friends around him sees what happens, goes tattles on the, to the king on the slave. You wicked slave, the king says, I forgave you all of that debt. Why? Because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I have mercy on you? And here's where a little angry Matthew comes out. And in anger, the king hands the slave over to be tortured until he would pay his debt. Talk about a change of heart. Now, I imagine Matthew's congregation is probably silent at this point. Cleophas and Simeon having a hard time swallowing. Matthew looks up and in his best old sage voice says, So my heavenly Father will do to each one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister. And he sits down. Point is made. What happens after? I don't know. The parable, well, it's pretty ridiculous. And the punishment at the end, pretty severe. It's easy to distance ourselves from this story. Matthew's congregation was 50 years distant from when Jesus first told it. How much more are we? I mean, after all, we'd never do such a thing like that. If we were forgiven a huge debt, surely we would forgive others. Yet we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, well, I do. If I could get confessional for a moment. There's just a few of you here. This isn't being recorded, is it? But holding others to a different standard than I hold myself, expecting others to let go of my wrongs while I hold tightly to theirs, well, I might be pretty good at that. Maybe it's yelling at the kids to stop yelling. I do that a little too often. Holding a grudge against Marty because how dare she hold a grudge against me? Maybe it's refusing to listen to people we disagree with, yet expecting them to listen to me. 
arguing politics, but never actually having a conversation with the other to learn, getting angry at someone for demanding privileges that I got for free, getting shaken by people who are angry over injustice while never having to experience that injustice myself. The parable of Jesus is about empathy. It's about people who are unequal, seeing the perspective of the other, hearing their story, showing pity, showing unearned grace. Jesus is not giving a quota on forgiveness, saying, well, maybe not seven times, but well, let's count up to 77, then, then we're off. No, he's calling us to a different playing field, to the field where forgiveness is offered, not because someone has earned it, but because that's just what Christ's followers do. On Jesus' playing field, you may not agree with everyone's positions, but you make the effort to understand how they formed them. We may not understand their problems, but we hear their story and sympathize with their journey. We may not share their experiences, but we recognize that not everyone has gone down the same road we have. Not everyone has the same opportunities that we do. Now, it isn't saying to put yourself in harm's way, to never stand up to someone who has wronged you, who is harmful or abusive. That's not what Jesus is saying. But the story is about how we live with one another in community. There's more important things than being right, than proving your point, than getting paid, than having your debts paid, than having your way. Love and forgiveness, this is what's important. This is the way of Christ. As we heard last week from Tim Diebel, love is the debt we owe everyone. It's a debt that will never fully be paid. If we paid it down every day, the debt of love is still great. For Christ has loved and forgiven us extravagantly, so we are called to do the same. Whether deserved or not, earned or not, we owe one another love. And we will keep paying out that debt of love seven times, 77 times perhaps, and exponentially from there, for God always keeps doing the same for us. May it be so. Amen.